Moving Iron Podcast number 168. Uh, this week I have a in-person guest, which I don't typically get to do. Normally it's on the phone and or on the internet or something like that. But I have Clint Brower, and he is in Cheney, Kansas, not too far from where I grew up over in uh, close to El- or Wichita, Kansas, outside of El- right there in El Dorado. But um, he's with a company called Greenfield Robotics, and I actually came across the, the company on some social media stuff, and it was very intriguing what they were doing. So I have got Clint here with me. And uh, Clint, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Casey. Can't beat uh, coming out to my farm to record me. So yeah, no, this is easier. This is cool, man. So <laughs> this is definitely one of my favorite things to talk about. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I love talking about the future of agriculture, what the machines are going to look like, how technology is going to play a role, and all that. And uh, what you got here is definitely something that I think is going to be a uh, a big a big splash. I think in in, in the coming years when we start looking at. Um, how we start dealing with weeds and what have you. So I guess before we get too far into that road, talk to me about who Clint Bauer is, where he came from, yep. the background, sure. all that kind of fun stuff. Sure. So I grew up in Kansas, uh, Haven, Kansas, small town west of Wichita, and um, went to K-State, got a couple degrees, and uh, sort of pushed my way into the internet space in 97. Uh, 1997. I guess I have to qualify that now. I'm old enough, but and uh, you know that was of course when the internet stuff was just starting to heat up. And of course, you know where I was from, Kansas, a lot of people were still just getting acquainted with it. And uh, proceeded over 13 years to do a lot of tech, um, both uh, almost all startups, um, either independent uh, as part of the management team or junior guy uh, consulting. Uh, any kind of tech startup inside of big companies, Sony uh, being one of them, Fox, um, and uh, dealt with everything from operations to uh, marketing. And marketing is probably where I made my name uh, the most towards the end of that. But um, So uh, did that for 13 years, had had enough of L.A., went through a divorce, decided I wanted to do something that uh, I felt like was uh, you could not say was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sort of set my sights on eventually seeing if I could get chemicals out of food uh, in farming. And so that was about a decade ago. And came back here to the family farm and uh, started growing vegetables organically. And, you know, I was telling you some of those stories. And we started with the Sears rototiller, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't get right. any more serious than uh, we were at a small scale and literally start up and have raised every kind of vegetable imaginable, distributed in a lot of different ways, and uh, learned how to get the chemicals out, never used any on any vegetables. We got greenhouses going. We had hydroponic greenhouses going. Um, Said, okay, I think I've I've got a pretty good idea how to do this. Let's take it out on the big fields, on the broad acre. And that's how this company started, because how do you control weeds in a broad acre situation without chemicals and without tilling. I didn't want to till either. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what led to Greenfield Robotics. Gotcha. Okay. So let's just let's just talk about this a little bit. So you've got basically you've developed a robot. Yep. That goes and for lack of a better term, because 
you got a you got a pea brain here talking to you, but lack of a better term, it, it picks weeds, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so describe describe your your robot and what it does. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a pretty simple concept. I mean, I've done enough startups to know if you don't keep it simple, you are not going to succeed, and uh, even then, it's very hard to succeed. So the idea was, well, how do we control broadleaf weeds, right? So you got your broadleaf and your grasses and pigweed, you know, being a great example of a broadleaf. And that's what we've been focused on so far. And so, okay, no chemicals. You know, so I've tried all these different things, and I lost control of multiple fields with pigweeds because of too heavy rain. Couldn't get the spray rig out there in time. And about four years ago, I thought surely it couldn't be this simple and I took a rotary mower and I just started mowing some pigweeds through the summer and I saw them coming back smaller and I was mowing big ones mm-hmm. and then I watched what happened I came back and mowed them again you know, rotary you know you're good two and a half inches off the ground and I did that for two summers and halfway through the first second summer I go well, I might be on to something here and so I went to see uh, someone and you know anyways we got the company going but long story short we mow them repeatedly, about an inch or less off the ground, and so they just never really get going. Um, and so that's how we control. So last summer, um, we had some out there, and they controlled a 25-acre soybean field. Now, they don't do a whole lot for grasses at this point, but we are on our second prototype for something that we think could control grasses. It's a, and it also is mechanical, uh, but it's not mowing getting patented yet so i can't tell you right on exactly. okay keep the secrets that anyway so broadly if we mow it, it's basically a mower yeah it goes between the rows okay mows it all right so there's there's uh back in nebraska we have several very very uh large organic farms out there that do a lot of really cool things with the stuff they do and i'm sure some guys listen to this right now and he's like why why would you mow the weeds down when you can just go cultivate Talk about talk about that a little bit. Right. Well, I mean, I think I think most farmers would, would go no till if they had an easy way to control the weeds. And organic guys, all the farms I've talked to the same thing. They hate cultivating. Yeah. I, I went to this one farm family and got about ten thousand acres, one of the first ones we met with, and they're half of them is organic. And the dad uh, is the only guy that they allow to cultivate, even though his son, sons are they hate it. Mm-hmm. And they got GPS, the best equipment you could buy. And they still were showing me where they wiped out some corn going up a hill. Right. Cultivation is, is, isn't good no matter what you do. And I, I'm a big proponent of no-till. Um, there's so many benefits. I don't want to turn that into a discussion for us probably on no-till farming. But I think there's a lot of benefits. So if you can get rid of that and still control the weeds without chemicals, I'm all for it. And so um, cultivation is just, beyond that, it's just a pain. Yeah. Trying to find guys who can do it, who want to do it, who want to sit on that tractor, even with GPS. Yeah. It, it's kind of over, you know. Um, <clears throat> as you uh, take a look at the landscape that you see now, um, there, there's getting to be a bigger, bigger push for um, kind of the transparency in what we see happening. I mean, the most demonized group of people on the planet sometimes I feel like are, are farmers and ranchers. <laughs> and it's it's everything yeah. from, you know, there's just, you kind of run down a myriad of things you see out there. And probably the the people with the biggest hearts on the planet are farmers and ranchers, Correct. right? That's right. So I guess as you start looking at this transparency thing and, and you really start looking at how um, the consumer is wanting to be, um, you know, people want to know where their stuff's coming from, what's been used on it, what had been used on it, you know, those kind of things, all those different things that pop in there. How do you think your robot 
that you've come up with is going to, to play into that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's what you said. I mean, there's a lot of consumers want to see chemicals gone. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, as you said, farmers, you know, anyone who thinks farmers are just out there doing crazy stuff, yeah. they've lost their mind. I mean, it's yeah. just not the reality of the situation. Um, but, um, you know, like I said, my, my mandate was to try to get chemicals out of farming because I felt like if we don't have to have them, why would we? Right. Right? And there's no farmer who would disagree with that statement. Right. Yeah. Uh, the reason we're doing it is because it's super expensive not to. Mm -hmm. And you're going to lose crop yields. You're going to get dinged on dockage. You're going to have a million problems. It comes back more fierce every year. So, you know, my goal was, okay, well, how do we avoid all those problems? And so what we're doing is, you know, bringing those costs down and making it something you can do without those chemicals, without that tilling, regardless of how much it rained. Mm -hmm. So these bots are about 100 pounds give or take 20, and they can go out there. We were out on a field that had 13 inches of rain in the month of April last year, and we were out there every day, and we never got one stuck. So they really help you, um, and you can use them in addition to chemicals. Like I said, we don't control grasses right now, so you're still right. going to have to do Roundup or glyphosate, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, you're still going to have to do that, but we can make sure that you don't lose control of your field. If you can't get that large rig out there to get that coverage and it's been raining like crazy and your pigweed just crossed a foot tall and now it's resistant yeah. or your mare's tail or whatever it is, we can be out there. Yeah. And that's kind of you know the way I see it. And so to connect that back to the consumer, they like that idea of knowing how it was farmed and what happened. And so we're out there all the time and we can record that. You can yeah. share it. We can do whatever down in the future. And you give them that transparency and give them that comfort of how was this actually grown, right? And so that's what we're doing. And so it's one step at a time. Today we, you know, we reduce your need for broadleaf chemical. Tomorrow, hopefully, reduce your need for grass chemical. You know, and then there are other things on the drawing board. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think what you're what you're talking about there, like to your, yeah, exactly to your point. I mean, there's not a farmer that's waking up around out going like. <laughs> I feel like poisoning people today. Let's, yeah. go, let's go out and I think see if we can't make some rot. I think I'll go this. play some roulette with Gramoxin. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's no, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, the whole thing is insane. Yeah, yeah. Look, we got here because consumers wanted cheap food, right? right? And if you look at, so I'm a tech guy, right? I'm a tech guy in the past. And you look at the whole tech industry, and I say this now when we meet with Silicon invest investors, I say, your whole industry exists because food is cheap. Yeah. So be careful. Yeah. Because disposable income used to be this, a big chunk of that used to go to food, and now it doesn't. Well, why is that? Because farmers have become crazy efficient. Why have they got crazy efficient? Because of chemicals. Right. Because of synthetics. Because of all these things. So I don't take this on lightly and think that, you know, this is like farmers are out here just doing crazy stuff. Right. right. It's because that's what consumers have asked for. Right. Now what they ask for has changed. <clears throat> right. Okay, so we'll, we're here. Let's react to that and, and work with it. But you can't do it overnight. Yep. There's no silver bullet. Yep. So I think there's a I've, – I've had conversations with folks, and I've, I've, I've read articles about this stuff. And you have companies like uh, – uh, what's the name of that company? Is it, was it Indigo? Uh, Indigo is a company. Yeah, Indigo. Where they're, they're doing that kind of open source kind of – you know, cut the middleman out type of thing and go from the farmer to the to the end user kind of producer yep. making the final product type thing. 
but they're doing it on a, on a thing where they say, like, cool, cool, you want, we'll pay you $7.50 a bushel for whatever it is that you're growing, but here's an X, Y, and Z that we need you to do, or at least document for us that we know what's going on. Right. What's your, what's your feel for that, and what do you think, how does that look in the next five or ten years as far as agriculture goes? Because the one thing that in, in the in the sense of growing market share, seed companies and chemical companies, those kind of things have, have taught the rest of the world how to farm. That's right. And corn and especially wheat and, and sugar beets and things like yep. those kind of things across the right. across the spectrum are being grown everywhere now. So the kind of the open market of, of grain just for the sake of opening grain and throwing it on, on the open marketplace is getting to be a the, the supply of the same thing is getting bigger and bigger every year. So I guess talk about how you see the next five years, ten years of, of farming and, and, and how, how guys are going to market their, their crops moving forward. Yeah, so I think, um, first off, farmers are, at, at the end of the day, most farmers are risk managers, mm-hmm. not marketers, right? I agree with that, yeah. And that's going to have to change. But there's some of the best risk managers in the world. Absolutely. Again, in conversations yeah. with friends of mine, you know, in L.A., San Francisco, when I talk to them and say, you know, what I'm up to, and they say, oh, yeah, farmers, you know, and I go, now, why don't you go buy some options on some stock and let me know how that goes for you? They say, oh, I have no clue. Oh, really? Because most farmers do that all the time. Right. You know, and I said, look, farmers are pretty sophisticated risk managers. So whenever you say, I want you to change the way you're doing things, you're adding risk, right? Right. And so, you know, with Indigo and, and, and us and anyone who's asking you to take a change, make a change, you've got to make it worth your time. Right. Either in really we've made it, you know, we've tried to with our, you know, we're working with 15 farms this next summer. We've made it where there's basically no risk mm-hmm. in working with this. We call them our beta farms. So, but you got to do that. I'm not right. going to, why would you ever work with me if I'm going to introduce risk? You got enough things. Right. Farming's a nightmare already right. with the weather and yeah. whatnot. There's so many variables. Yeah. Uh, now, but so that's on your risk side. So if you're going to ask him to take risk and you're not going to help him hedge that risk, then you better offer an upside premium, which is, you know, what people are doing, um, whether they're making deals directly with food production companies or they're cutting out the middlemen or they're, you know, my my farm and we have a collection of farms that are working with us. We have a pet food company I'm partnered with called Canada. And so farmers that work with us get a premium. But for that premium, we ask them to, um, you know, be no-till. We ask them to do, you know, some pretty simple things, but eventually robotics, whether it's ours or somebody else's, right. down the road if they want that premium. And so you have to offer those things. You can't, I mean, farmers are already in a really right. tough position right now. Yep. And um, so I think that's that's the way it has to go. And I think David Perry at Indigo and those guys, I don't really know him, but I've seen some of his presentations. They have the right idea. Yep. You know, let's, let's give a premium. Let's help them reduce the risk at the same time and produce a product that the end buyer is willing to pay a premium for and pass some of it along to the farmers. Yeah. Now, I think there's a, to me, I think that's the biggest part of, of moving forward is what we see happening with farming is that um, I feel like someday the, just the open commodity market is going to be the equivalent of just taking a machine to an auction and whatever it brings that day is what it brings. And there's, there's not going to be a, the, the hedging aspects aren't going to be there yep. that, that you see now. I think it's going to be more of a, I'm going to grow a certain crop a certain way and give them the information that they want. And in return, I get back X. You know? More fragmented, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's kind of like uh, one of the companies I worked for, Sony Music, back in the day. And, and they were at their peak when I went to work for them. 
and you kind of look at now all your different, and I worked in the entertainment business, you know, more on the tech side, but um, what's happened? You know, you used to have, we were kids, there were a few networks. Right. And now it's, right. I mean, how many options? It's it's unlimited. Well, now, yeah, right? totally, YouTube. Yeah. I mean, most kids now watch YouTube. Yeah. So it's completely fragmented, and they're finding, and but yet, there's a market for a lot of this stuff. Right. And it's still growing overall. And I think farming is, is similar. There's, uh, you know, the choice is going to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that consumers want will always expand. And so farmers, I think, will become more specialized. And that's actually one of the things we look at with these robots is since they're small and agile and we can do a lot of things, I could see down the road. I mean, we're not equipped to do this now. But where you could be a lot more specialized with what you're doing. It's very hard to be specialized when you're running a 60 to 90 foot boom. Right. Or, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. or, uh, yeah, yeah. however many row planters. I mean, right. my farm's not that yeah. big. I don't even know how big they are now, but <laughs> they you know, the monster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I see these equipment. I'm like, yeah. you know, it's great. I mean, it's amazing engineering, but, uh, um, I think down the road, you know, that's that's one of the other things that we think small in some places in agriculture can be effective is that specialization mm-hmm. that people are going to want. Yeah. yeah. So one one thing that I that I because I like this topic so much yeah. and the whole future of, of, of ag and what it looks like, you know, I go out and I, I, I go out and look at Twitter and these different places, and there's always a robot of some kind. Oh, it seems yeah. like you're really starting to see him pop up into into a bigger. Uh, wider acceptance in in the high value crops like strawberries and tomatoes and yeah. those kind of things, um, nut farms, those kind of stuff. You're really starting to see that kind of stuff pop up. And yeah. again, where where do you think the bulk of that is coming? For me, I think it's just a labor thing. The labor issue is really driving the 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 autonomous vehicle thing, the robots, those kind of things. We're really starting to see that driving because, regardless if they want to replace people or not. They just have, they don't have enough people to replace the start with the Philly feels like. So yeah. I guess what's your thoughts on that and, and how, how is that playing into the whole robotics thing? Yeah, we divide the world into specialty crops and then broad acre, right? Um, field crops, I guess, is what the USDA calls it. But I think the rest was called broad acre. Mm-hmm. So specialty crops, um, man, there's no shortage of robotic companies in that. And I think a lot of it is exactly what you're saying. Um, is a labor issue and maybe some of that's you know Trump policies and stuff have made it, you know, but that, that issue's been coming along for years. Mm-hmm. So this is nothing new. And uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I think Agrobot's the uh, strawberry picking one. I mean, yep. I, I see a new bot coming out uh, all the time in, in California in the specialty crops. And that market, there's a lot going on. Yep. Uh, and there has been for some time. Yep. Um, and it and it's and it's an easier market. One, those places uh, you know, normally have better weather, and they're norm- oh, yeah. normally closer to big population yeah. centers. And so, and it's Silicon Valley investor, it's a hundred mile drive or less, mm-hmm. and then go see this bot. Yeah. When they come to Kansas, which we've had them out of here mm-hmm. to the farm, it's a it's a much bigger deal, and they know nothing about you know yeah. what we do out here. Um, on the broad acre, there's really uh, you know John Deere bought uh, Blue River. Right. Um, there's uh, that's really about it. Yeah. To be honest, in Broadacre right now, in terms of bots, and if we step back for a second and look at bots in general, I mean, this is one of the things that our our lead machine vision engineer who started this company with me said, uh, "Name a successful robotic company out there. Name one you got going on your farm, your house." Mm-hmm. It's hard to. There, yeah. I mean, Roomba. That's yeah. not any more half the time. I yeah. mean, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm right. just yeah. saying. Yeah. 
robotics companies have been failing a lot. Yeah. Now, I think we're starting to see successes. I mean, yeah. you see it in warehousing. Uh, I think some of the ones out in uh, you know specialty crops, vineyards, and stuff like that, they're already there. There's a company called Nio in France. Um, they do small bots that you could use for your specialty gardening crop. They have a bigger one called Dino. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can handle about 40 acres of tilling. Um, they're out in France. They've been, you know, those guys are legit. Mm-hmm. You know, they have bots that run, in my opinion, uh, from what I've seen. So you're starting to see success. But in Broadacre, um, as everyone you know realizes, Broadacre is way different than specialty crops. And I do both, by the way. I raise vegetables and stuff in greenhouses, outdoors, yeah. and I do Broadacre. Uh, but Broadacre is a different, whole different deal. And um, But we think that we have a chance to be very successful because Broadacre is very structured. And that's one of the nice things. Everybody's planting in a seven and a half, seven, fifteen, thirty. But mm-hmm. basically, most fields are planted the same way, right. give or take a few variables. Right. I mean, now we're getting intercropping and stuff. Right. But for the most part, it's very structured, and that is what robotics require. Yeah. When you have an unstructured environment, robotics are going to fail at this stage. AI, we can talk about it all we want, but if it's completely unstructured. Uh, robotics aren't going to succeed at this point for the most part. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So the AI thing, we hear about that a lot. And and the true definition of what artificial intelligence is, and I think what we have are two night and day. Yeah, our our bots don't pass the Turing test, just so you know. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) They're not even close. (laughs) Right on. Okay, so you hear that getting tossed out there a lot. Like there's a Microsoft commercial out there now that where they can go find some snow leopard someplace because of AI. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. And that, that to me doesn't seem like that's what AI is supposed to be. So I guess how, in your opinion, you know, technology guy and technology company and been around that stuff. How far away is that? I mean, are we 20 years, 25 years? Is it, is it, Look, it depends on the application. I mean, a lot of warehouses now are, uh, to my understanding, I'm not a complete expert, but, um, you know, they, they're semi-automated now. You know, but they still have humans in there who have to problem solve and do stuff. You know, in agriculture, you know, I don't know. It's going to be a while. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. I mean, look, bottom line is, even if we get them to where they're completely automated in the fields, and we're, we're, we're probably not that far away in the field. Uh-huh. Okay, but how are you going to get from field to field? Right, yeah. You know, and, 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 and so there's a lot of things going on there. And there will be variables, you know, in, in software we call them edge cases, right? And so uh, what is an edge case? It's something you don't think is likely to happen. Right. Well, that's super great, theoretically. And if you're running a website or you're running, you know, server software and you have an edge case, what happens? Well, it's not a big deal. Maybe right. a website crashes and you rebuild it. If you hit an edge case and your tractor drives through a row of trees, right? that's a problem. Yep. And so I think that um, it's going to be human assist. It's going to be human monitored for probably the foreseeable future. I don't see full autonomy, and I'm not an expert. Stephen is, mm-hmm. you know, our, our machine vision guy. He's been writing machine vision software for a decade now. Um, but he'll say a very similar thing to you. Um, yeah. It's it's not, this is not an overnight process. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of, well... It's just simple things like, uh, yeah, you can GPS the field out and you can put in your, yep. your geo fences and those kind of things up. And that stuff all exists and it works great and it's proven to work just fine. But like you said. Is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It has its days. Yeah. Put it okay. that way. <laughs> but there's there's times where, to your point, if you're farming and you're farming operation and you're 
your base is 150 miles away from yeah. where this field, this machine's working at. Well, you're going to have to drive something there to pick that machine up to drive it either back to the home base or to a different field. Because there's not, I'm not saying that that there, I haven't seen people do an AB line in a vehicle and watch the, <laughs> the easy steer thing on right. the steering wheel, steer the car and yeah. do all that. But it doesn't know how to stop. Right. It doesn't know how to do all the other things that require yeah. turn turn signals on and all those different things and yeah. those kind of things. You so. have to define what you can do and do it when right. and when at that. And that yeah. you know, and that's what we've done. We said we're on thirty inch row crops mm-hmm. now. We'll drop the machines off. We've got someone near field next year at these test farms. Mm-hmm. We're monitoring. We create our own internet at the edge of the field, and we are actively monitoring what's going on. And we are putting more and more safety things into it in terms of stop if you see something weird. Right. You know, and so, but that's why we're in 15 fields next summer, right. not 150. Right, right. Right. And, yeah. and, and we think that the following year we'll be able to drop them off. And they'll go just fine in the field. But we're still going to connect and remote monitor those things, most likely. Right. And so, and even then, we're going to have someone re- running around an area and dealing with it. You know? okay. So, Because we are a service model. Right. right. I don't think that may not, any of that may not make sense. We don't hand these robots off to the farmer. Okay. Okay. So you're like the... You're like the Uber of robots then. Yeah, well, oh, don't say that. Yeah. Don't say that. Come on now. We hope to make money. Um, I mean, no, it's, uh, look, it's no, it, it's not that different than calling uh, the co-op to go spray your field. Right on. Right? We're a service model, but we're not on demand. You know, we do a contract as it stands right now with folks up front. We say we're going to maintain this field if your broad leaf weeds. You're going to put, mm-hmm. your, you're going to do your burn down or your till, and then we're going to come in and we're going to maintain between the rows all your broad leaf weeds. Yeah. You're still going to have to spray next summer the 15 fields. They're still going to have to spray probably Roundup or yeah. glyphosate to control the grasses. You know, we hope we've got another mechanism in development. We hope to overcome that. Uh, but that'll be an R and D mode on my farm next year. Right. So, but you know, it's a, it's a gradual process, and it is a service model. The farmer doesn't have to be out there. We're not asking to run a, run a robot. And, and in fact, right. we talked to you know one of these other robotics companies have been around a while, and they said you know it's it's real challenge, and they are selling the robots. And yeah. I think they're they're hating that. Right. Um, and uh, so we see it as a model, and it's like anything else. You expect it to be done. Mm-hmm in a timely manner and we show up and do it and, and that's what we're gunning for and it's a service model okay so you have these 15 fields how big are, how big are these 15 fields and, and how many machines are you putting out there well first let's do this yeah tell give the dimensions of the machine that you're going to have in the field yeah i mean they're really incredibly small they uh which was the point they're about 24 inches wide um about two and a half well we'll call it three foot long with the cutting mechanism about a foot and a half tall and then they've got a post that goes right. Up, you know. So kind of give a uh, when I look at it, I, no, if four you look wheels. at it, four wheel, yeah, four wheels. If you look at it, and you're going to see this, go to my go to my social media page, uh, L, Moving Iron LLC at um, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You'll be able to see that all there. But we're going to do a video, and you'll be able to see what this looks like. Basically, kind of think of like a like a like a computer tower, you know, yeah. with wheels. Basically, Lay it on its side. Trying that's to kind as of simple as possible. That's about that's about how big it is. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. The engineers have rejected my. You know, I wanted to add like a night rider strobe, and, <laughs> and they're like shutting me down. Right. And every time we turn it on, I wanted like a sultry voice. Yeah, I, I am on. You know, like <laughs> right. And they're yeah. like, no, 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 Clint. <laughs> 
All right. So, how how big are the fields that you're going to put these ten machines in? Uh, we're we're shooting for forty acres. We think we can handle seventy to hundred a day with ten ten bots. Uh, but again, you want to be conservative. So we're looking at forty acres. Okay. So when you're when your machines are working, do you have it? I'm assuming you have a geofence and you space them out so far, and each it knows the. Like the yeah. rows, like how does it know when to go to the next row, or do you just kind of keep moving down? The so we got a combination of things going okay. on, and uh, we one we we create our own internet, so we can actually manually steer them. Two, we've got RTK GPS going on. We'll fly a drone over the field, and we okay. sort of map that out ahead of time. Um, once you've planted, the farmer will let us know. We come out when you have emergence, and you know we go and, and fly the drone over. So we have GPS, and then machine vision, which is you know the sort of the magic. Um, and that's what Steven's you know, one of the best guys in the world at, frankly. Um, yeah. So we, we can recognize roads and, and recognize what's going on. We can recognize strange objects, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but right now we're focused on road recognition. And so there's a lot of different ways to do that. Right. So the machines that you have out there now, are you are there physically 10 different people monitoring these and steering these machines? Or yeah. are they doing them themselves? No, there'll be one person monitoring. Well, Let's be realistic. Right. Next year, it'll probably be me standing in there looking over the shoulder <laughs> and maybe right. an engineer. But, right. but yeah, no, um, we, um, yeah, the idea is one person sitting there, Edgefield, a little air-conditioned space. They're rolling them out, uh-huh. and, and they sit there, and they monitor them. If something goes wrong, they flip on the video feed and take a look at what's going on. So they can flip between any of them. And it's okay. full-motion video right on. Um, that we can collect. So we set up, we put a little tower in the corner, and we've got our GPS tower, we've got our... Uh, full motion video tower that basically creates your own internet. And you run off full full RTK capability. Yeah, we create right. our own RTK, um, and uh, we basically done that already. And uh, that's the way it works. So it's multiple systems, backups, you know, to to make it work. I mean, we have to assume if we want to grow this company, we're going to be in places with no internet, no cell right. service, no nothing. Yeah. You know, so how do you operate in that space? And so that's what we've designed. You've got to have multiple redundant systems. So yeah. if one fails, the next one jumps in. Yeah. Uh, especially when you look at just cell phone, simple cell phone signal of uh, whether you have a 3G, 4G, or now 5G, you know, and what that looks like and how those things are playing together. Cause there's, there's a lot of places where, I'm, where, I'm, where I live at where it's 4G, but it might be... 3G when you drop down into the into the <laughs> yeah. valley, you know? well, no you know? G, yeah. yeah. And, well, yeah, it, LA's so, that way. New yeah. York, I was just in New York. New York, yeah. I was like, my cell phone didn't work half the time. You know, yeah. LA and New York. So yeah, I mean, yeah. It, the idea that we're you know, and you see these tech ads and they're like, you know, it's going to be this magical world, and I'm like, how about we just get my cell phone to work all the time? Right, that would be great. Yeah, simple things. <laughs> Internet, let's make it work stuff, all right? the time. Yeah, that exactly. would be great. Yeah, especially a lot of places where just broadband internet. Is even it's just it's right, you know. and 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 we watch all that stuff. You know, we've been learning a lot about that. I mean, there's a lot of rural uh, broadband uh, initiatives going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, government funded, which you know makes sense to me. Uh, rural electrical cooperatives mm-hmm. are trying to do those types of things. So that day is coming, but it's just not here, right? You know, in my opinion. Yep. So you have to be able to deal without it. It's a, and that makes a difference in everything. I mean, even even on the cell phone thing, the difference between a three G signal and a four G signal when you're trying to watch a YouTube video is on how to fix a door or something like that. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we hope that we can get machine vision there in the next year to where, uh, you know, 
a very high percentage of the time, 99.9 or whatever, that it knows what it's doing and it's fine. It can drive itself and it doesn't need a connection. But let's see where we're at by the end of next summer. I mean, we're getting, you know, we're getting there, but um, that that would be ideal. But um, I've lost a lot of sleep growing crops that no one could teach me how to grow over the right. last decade, greenhouses at night yeah. going down, electricity, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really anxious to lose a lot more sleep when our bots are out in someone else's field. So yep. we want to be careful. Yep. You know? yep. Well, like I said, folks, make sure you, you check out everything I got on my social media when I come up post this video and you'll get a good feel of what these machines look like. Clint is there. It's been awesome talking with you here. And I feel, I feel like you've got something that's really cool. And I'm, I'm anxious to watch it grow. Um, and what you guys do uh, after this year, after you get your true testing phase out there. So I guess before we close down this podcast, is there anything that you Well, I thought of mine. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll just say kind of how the model will work. Yeah. Is absolutely. A farmer will. Um, so next year we've got, you know, like I said, 15 farmers. I'm in Cheney, Kansas, west of Wichita. So they're going to be close by here. Um, you know, again, you got to be practical. Um, but the way we're structuring this, and this is my background as a farmer, I think has helped, is we're not asking farmers to spend any money they don't already spend. Yeah. Right? So the guys that are working with us next year, it's 30 bucks an acre. And we say, you can get rid of dicamba, right, for your soybeans. Okay. Corn, milo, different deal. Um, but we tell them, go ahead and get it, so we'll knock it down to 20, just mm-hmm. in case things don't go well. Right. right? But our future model is it will wrap into your operating note. You don't have to change, and we've ran it by, you know, guys in the banking business. You don't have to go get a special loan. We're not asking you to buy anything. You're going to, we're a substitution cost. And if we ever get beyond that, I've also, you know, like I said, the pet food deal, we can create additional markets for your products, like we were talking about, potentially where you would have additional revenue opportunities in the future as well. But it's really about, um, I don't think asking farmers to spend more on something new is realistic right now. And frankly, if you can figure out how to do it and do a profitable model, why would you put that barrier? Right. You know, and our interest is in all the guys in this company, we don't have to do this. Yeah. We're not trying to get wealthy. We're, we're going to drive this thing hard. Right. We already are. We're in it to solve this problem. This is why I do this. This is why Carl does it and Stephen and Jay and Nugget. And so we're really wanting to get this out, get consumers and farmers realigned and solve this problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. And it's nobody's fault that we've gotten to where this disconnect is. That's right. the other thing. Yep. And so that's that's just it. So we're setting it up. We're not coming out and say, hey, have you bought some software today? You know, come right. talk to us. It's going to be a swap out with your operating note. Right. That's the way we do it. What's the, uh, the bankers that you've talked to, what's their, what's their thought process and what's their... Kind yeah, well, that's why I called her. We have a family friend and does a lot of the final say on loans around here, and he said, yeah, this, this, is, this is an easy decision, you know. So, and look, we're not asking, we're not going to go from 15 fields to 250 million acres right. in three years and put the farm credit system at risk, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a process. So, the question is, you know, can you handle those 40 acres? And, and, and like I said, this, so it's a process, yeah. right? Yep. So, ever, ever but they, they love the idea of course they do yeah. and I think insurance companies will too because there's a lot of things we can do in the future with small bots that can spread your, your risk out over time yep. as well you know, if, you, if you're losing 10% of your field and you don't want to run your combine through 3 inch wide pigweeds yeah. um, that's a hit Right. it's a financial hit yep. you know, that's just not going to happen unless it's 
water, right. like standing water. We're right. not going through that at this point. Absolutely. But um, so I think we can do a lot of um, collecting yield and getting insurance premiums. You know, uh, helping insurance companies have to not have to replant as often, not have to you know collect based on weeds took over, and so right. on and so forth. So I think there's a lot of value there we can provide. Yeah. What's the uh, the, the farmers that other than your test group, obviously, but yeah. other farmers that you talk with and they know what you're doing and, and kind of think, what's their what's their reaction to, to what you're doing? You know, I actually, of course, everyone likes robots. Right. You know, yeah. new things. Every, you know, a lot of farmers we run into are guys, you know, and of course we all love stuff like this. Um, you know, I actually am surprised how little pushback um, I'm getting. You know, um, people actually are not completely surprised to see that we exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually had quite a few say, yeah, I thought maybe this day would come, you know, this would happen. And uh, that really has surprised me. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really, um, but look, I, you know, I was in the tech business, I'm a marketing guy in the past. Um, it's not going to be for everybody. Right. You know, you're, you know, there's probably 10% of guys who say, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Let's go try this. And the other 90 go, I think I'll watch. Right. Right? And that's okay. That's a normal yep. way of anything's ever adopted. I mean, you and I were talking about this before. It's, uh, I was in the internet in 97, and I would have meetings, whether it was a record label or, um, you know, apparel company, whatever, and they'd say, nobody's going to buy clothes online. Right. <laughs> Or were they wrong? <laughs> well, they were. Yeah. However, let me ask you something. They were wrong. However, did a did you have like a laser thing fit your clothes perfectly that you're wearing right now? No. Right. Yep. So, but you are buying stuff online. Yep. You do buy clothes online sometimes. You do buy things online. And so that is the thing with tech is it's never what you think it's going to be quite. Right. right? And so... Because back then, people were saying, well, it's just, you're going to stand in front of your computer, and it's going to measure your clothes, and it's going to just send it to you, and everything will be perfect. I don't know, but most of my clothes say small, medium, large, right. you know, on them. Right? Yep. Large. Yep. Each passing year, you can post it Yeah, so get one more X every year, it goes by. Too, but, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that was a, a long wrap-up. But, yeah, uh, but no, cool. Yeah. Well, folks wanted to... Follow you, follow your growth, your company. What's the best way for them to do that? I would, uh, you know, it's funny. We're supposed to be a tech company. We don't even have a website that functions. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get on that right away. (laughs) I mean, we've probably built thousands of websites between our team, you know, using our software collectively. But, uh, you know, I just follow us on Twitter, Greenfield Robotics, or or Facebook, Greenfield Robotics, for now. And then we'll, you know, go from there. Right on. Yeah. Well, well, Clint, I appreciate you being on the yep. podcast. I love talking about this stuff. And like I said, I'm really anxious to watch, see where you guys go. And Me how, too. How, <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. See how things work out. And hopefully this uh, summer when I come back home to visit family, I'll stop by here. And yeah, you should. More stuff. You should. You should. Cool. I'll let you know. Yeah, okay. it's exciting. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. I really appreciate it. A lot of fun. No problem. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check out movingironllc.com for all the latest things Moving Iron related. Check out all the social media stuff at Moving Iron LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go to the Global Ag Network. That's where you can find my podcast as well as some other great podcasters as well. You also find me on about every other uh, podcasting platform, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, so on and so forth. So, 
I think with that, that's all I got. You got anything else you want to throw out there before we shut it down? No, I was just hearing what you said. We should put you in charge of marketing. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that. So I guess so next time, folks, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here